Hello everyone, and welcome back to episode number seven of the Screaming Beaver podcast. I'm your host, Jason Jackson. On this episode of the podcast, we have Bob Vedan, uh, or Mr. Vedan as many of us know him. Uh, Mr. Vedan was the VCI gym teacher and coach of many of the sports teams at VCI. Um, he was a mentor for myself. Uh, we traveled the world together, uh, been to Australia twice with him. He was my hockey coach, my basketball coach. Um, we, uh, we had a lot of, uh, of good times and, uh, a lot of my best memories from high school. Uh, Mr. Vidan was, uh, at the front of the, uh, of the line, whether it be canoe trips, gym classes, uh, basketball tournaments. So uh, this is a very exciting uh, podcast for me. Uh, it was something I was kind of holding off to do until I could get them uh, live uh, in my little studio. Uh, unfortunately, with COVID, um, it seemed like a good time to do it. The, uh, the sound quality is not the greatest. Uh, you get used to it, um, but uh, it was my first time recording someone remotely, and it didn't go... Uh, it's not perfect. Anyway, I uh, I hope you can still enjoy the uh, the podcast, and uh, we'll get right to it. All right, and we're live. How are you doing, sir? Pretty well, yourself? Not too bad. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Oh, it's uh, a pleasure. Yes, it's quite it's quite a project you got going here. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's it's something I'm trying out, and uh, people seem to enjoy it. So, how uh, how are things out in BC these days? Oh, pretty good. We just survived uh, quite a windstorm yesterday. Um, power was out in, in the area, and once came this morning, a lot of trees were down on the mountain. But uh, at least I got to ski, and it was a nice day. Oh, good. Uh, how's the COVID situation these days? Well, we're not as serious. It's still it's serious, but it's not as uh, dire as it is in Ontario. Our numbers are, are better, but uh, still, you know, the numbers are there. So everybody is abiding by what we have to do, staying close to home. Uh, we've stayed here in Vernon since uh, last March, so haven't been anywhere or done much other than enjoy life in the open audience. Good. Which is not too bad. It's no. not too bad. There's there's worse places, I guess you could be. Yeah, the, the uh, biggest regret is not being able to uh, visit with grandkids, but uh, there's always FaceTime, which is fantastic. Yeah. How many grandkids do you have now? Got three. Uh, Mike's got one. Uh, he and Kylie in, in Pemberton, Whistler. Two-year-old Amelia and, and Jeff and Katie in Toronto. Cameron is uh, nine, and Allison is five. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, we get we do FaceTime with them well, at least once a week. Yeah, so I, I see picture uh, videos of uh, Jeff uh, with them out on the the BMXs and the, the mountain bikes oh, yeah. and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, the apple's not falling far from the tree, eh? Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we might as well get into it. Um, okay. So uh, your early life, where were you born? Uh, okay, I was I was born in England. Oh, okay. Uh, which is. Uh, I'm First Nations, my background on my dad's side. My dad uh, left a, ch- a caribou Chilcotin in 1940 as a 16-year-old to go to war, as many uh, young Canadian men did. Uh, left uh, um, 
his home territory and uh, overseas and uh, met my mom, British War Bride, and I was born shortly after the, uh, the war, end of the war. My older brother was born uh, in 1944 before the war, the war ended, so I spent the first few years of my life in England because uh, Dad was playing professional hockey in, uh, in uh, Switzerland and uh, Scotland and England. Oh, really? I wasn't aware of that. Uh, for, uh, yeah, for, and uh, I can remember seeing his skates and, you know, well, how do these things work? And uh, what do you do when you put all that gear on? Uh, what's it like? <laughs> and I had no, I, I watched him play. I remember seeing him play in England, but uh, I didn't, skate, didn't put skates on until I came to Canada in 1952. Oh, okay. At, uh, I was six years old at the time. Yeah, um, I was in I was in contact with one of your family members who wishes to remain anonymous, but uh, he <laughs> he told me to ask you uh, how your boat ride over from England was. Did you have oh, any? My boat ride, yeah. Uh, well, that was a little exciting. Uh, on the SS Canberra, uh, we left. I guess it was uh, May from Portsmouth, England across the North Atlantic, and my brother and I were you know being I was. Uh, I guess I was still five, I hadn't quite turned six yet, and my brother, a couple years older, we were playing around the, the boat and so on, and I fell and uh, dislocated my elbow, but uh, continued ripping around and enjoyed the, the trip and uh, landed in, uh, in Quebec, and then on down to Toronto and on Ontario. Okay, so... so, so I think it was something like 10-day trip over, I can't remember exactly, but... Uh, oh, really? And uh, an interesting thing on our documents, uh, it, it said that we were returning Canadians because we were returning on my dad's uh, military fare. Uh, he was returning uh, on our forces with his family uh, five, six years after the end of the war. So a bit of history there. But, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and your mom was coming to Canada for the first time? So. First time, yeah. It must have been a uh, bit of a traumatic trip for her, I, I suppose, leaving her family and leaving England and uh, having survived the war and uh, um, coming to Canada to a new, new country. But she she adapted and we were a family of three when we arrived and then within five years, we were, two more were added. So I've got uh, three sisters and and a brother. Oh, nice. Um, so when you when you moved back to Canada, where were you set, settled, like in Toronto? or? In, in, uh, first in, uh, in Toronto for a little bit, and then Hamilton. Uh, my dad had a hockey friend who uh, said there's lots of work in Hamilton, as being steel town. So uh, dad worked uh, there, and uh, um, we lived out in a rural uh, Niagara Peninsula uh, outside of a small town, which was a small town at the time, Stony Creek, in the village of Tappytown. And that's where I more or less grew up and started my Canadian adventure, let's say. Yeah. With the, um, got introduced to a variety of things and uh, uh, different things, of course, baseball and uh, hockey and all the things that go along with uh, growing up in Canada. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you're uh, of an Indigenous uh, background. Uh, did you live on a reservation as a child or...? Never, I've never lived in a reservation. Uh, my dad, my home reserve. I'm a member of a, a sugarcane uh, Indian band, uh, Williams Lake, up in the Caribou, uh, Shkwapen First Nation or Shiswap First Nation, uh, and those roots go a long way back uh, to my dad. And uh, so, I, having retired out here, I've uh, become 
much more acquainted with my uh, native heritage and uh, built on that and met a lot, a lot more family members that I didn't know existed, uh, First Nations people. Okay. And uh, it's been an adventure that way after retirement for me. Yeah. And um, so do you want to get into the, uh, into the First Nations uh, conversation? I know there, there are a lot of things. I can. I don't know if you have any questions. Uh, well, I've got, I've got a lot of questions because uh, I'm not uh, the most, uh, I'm not really that educated on the subject. Um, uh-huh. I was talking to Randy Tallers who actually teaches a, uh, a class in uh, First Nations uh, at the high school and um, she told me I should ask you about the water situation that's uh, that's going on there. Um, I guess on, on different reserves. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, a big I, issue these yeah. days. Well, no, many um, many reserves are living in third world conditions. There's no question about it, um, and that's you know the conditions on reserve are are uh, not the best for sure. Uh, there are some fairly. Uh, well-to-do reserves, depending on location. For example, here in the Okanagan, uh, everything depends on location, of course, and um, the type of economy they are able to develop. But uh, the majority of reserves in far-off places, uh, they kind of get overlooked and have gotten overlooked. So hopefully that's going to change. Uh, but uh, there's been many promises over the years. There's been many promises made, many promises broken or not lived up to. So it's been a dis- bit of a disappointment that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, I try to st- stay involved with the Native community, with, with uh, Native gatherings and family gatherings. And uh, uh, probably my brother is pro- more attuned. He's a, a prof- he w- he's a retired professor at the University of British Columbia and was uh, director of the First Nations House of Learning at UBC. And uh, he's... Uh, stayed very apprised of uh, Native issues, and uh, we had some inter- interesting discussions, and I, uh, through him and through what I've, uh, through family here, uh, I've uh, got to become quite familiar with what it is to be a, a First Nations person on reserve, and what, what life is like there. Uh, there's still a, lot, a long way to, to go. As I say, many promises have not been lived up to. Uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, you've probably heard about, uh, is still got a ways to go. It's a step in the right direction. Hopefully it will uh, move forward and uh, bring some results. And uh, of course, uh, the only time you, you hear about uh, Native issues is when there's a protest uh, or a roadblock or a blocking of a railway line or a pipeline issue yeah. and fisheries and uh, the Mi'kmaq people and Eastern Canada, well, uh, they're, they're trying to fulfill their treaty rights. And uh, again, in many cases, uh, promises uh, weren't, weren't lived up to. Yeah. So, uh, just coming, gonna... in, my opinion, in my opinion, they're coming from a justifiable position. Yeah. And uh, going back to the history of uh, me coming back to Canada, we didn't go back to my dad's home reserve. Uh, he knew what would be ahead for his kids. Uh, we all would have ended up in the residential school, and there's five of us, and statistically, probably three of the five of us would be dead now. Oh. And uh, the five of us, we all uh, have, uh, we've achieved uh, at least one post-secondary uh, degree, and the chances of any of us doing that coming off the reserve is rather remote. 
So we dodged the bullet there, and uh, Dad made a good decision by uh, moving to Eastern Canada, away from the reserve and away from that influence. We're just so we, to, were for, we were fortunate that way. I'm going to have to cut you off, uh, Mr. Ann, for one second. I just got to go uh, get my dog to be quiet. He's barking upstairs. <laughs> so just, just one second. We'll pause the recording. and Okay. I'm back recording again. <laughs> yeah, he okay. uh, he uh, he's old and he's deaf and half blind, so he uh, okay. he sometimes decides he wants to bark at nothing. So put he him wants to bed. Yeah, I put him to bed there. So <laughs> uh, where were we were talking about? Uh, yeah, your uh, your family all managed to come through all right, and uh -huh. I um, did. Yeah, so do you think it's a problem? Is it a lack of funding? Uh, what What's the, the root cause of the, the issues? The root cause of the issues of funding that, Jason, I'd, you... <laughs> I'd be a very wise man. Yeah. Uh, but I think basically it's the frustration of First Nations people um, not receiving uh, what they were promised in the trees. And uh, if you look at the history of it, there are trees that... Uh, have been um, put in place, but uh, very often they're not uh, lived up to. For example, a good example would be uh, um, Oshawican um, Six Nations, uh, which has been in the news recently, uh, Caledonia, Ontario. Uh, their treaty land was, uh, I think it was six miles either side of the Grand River from Lake Erie up to the source, and uh, which was, is quite a large territory if you, if you know your geography. Uh, but that was frittered away and uh, whittled away, and now they're—I think it's nine miles by nine miles, uh, square miles uh, of, of land that's uh, dedicated to that reserve when it should have been probably thirty times that. Okay. So they've, they've had—they've lost land. Yeah. And uh, uh, my home reserve uh, is somewhere. There was uh, uh, the town of Williams Lake actually was native land at one time. But it was uh, taken by uh, the uh, community, and uh, um, it was taken back, or not taken back, but it was removed from from uh, the reserve and, and uh, taken by the city, okay. of Williams Lake, town of Williams Lake. And there's so many there's so many issues like that, uh, promises that weren't kept, haven't been kept. But you know, there's uh, there has to be um, there has to be um, a mutual understanding. If there's an issue. Uh, both parties have to uh, have to come to a table and discuss it, and that's what's happening. Uh, and uh, everything's put on being put on the back burner with COVID, of course. And uh, um, I just heard that one of the uh, reserves up in the, the Car Caribou that I'm familiar with uh, uh, is um, and, and, um, Cannon Lake is uh, has been uh, infested with uh, COVID, unfortunately, and uh, they they had a lockdown. They, they would not weren't allowing anybody on on the reserve to enter the reserve, but somehow it got in there. So uh, um, there's issues like that, and uh, we're all facing that. And uh, until we get past this pandemic, I think uh, we're not going to be dealing with much of uh, this in the way of yeah. politics. Yeah, it's going to be everything's kind of focused on that right now. Yeah, and uh, justifiably so. Yeah. Um... So one one issue that I am familiar with is uh, is the sports teams uh, being named uh, after um, native. Uh, yes, yeah, things. like the Redskins. And the, well, you know, with all due respect, there's some of the names that are acceptable, and most are not. Okay. Uh, uh, 
it's sort of, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, Can you give me an example of one that would be acceptable? And um, well, the, the name Warriors, for example, PCI Warriors. A warrior is not is uh, is not uh, it could be native, could be not native, but in, in the case of PCI Warriors, it was a uh, a native symbol, an Indian head. Yes. So when we were when I first uh, started at BCI, I, re I remember seeing some uniforms that were kicking around that uh, from uh -huh. probably the '80s with uh, with an Indian head on them. Um, yes, uh, I didn't take any uh, offense to it. No. Uh, I don't think there's any offense intended, but um, you know the the warrior chants that some of the teams come up with, and uh, it's um, I can see it's uh, quite offensive yeah. to a lot of people. I can understand it being like that. Uh, so you know that's uh, probably uh, um, it's an issue, but it's. Small compared to yeah. the living, the conditions that the, our First Nations people are living under. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, around Vancouver Hill, the closest uh, uh, reserve would be uh, Oka, and we know all the issue that happened there. Yeah. And uh, if you go down to uh, Atasasne and uh, Cornwall, uh, that's a fairly wealthy reserve. Or not, I would, I would say wealthy, but uh, they're doing very well economically. Well, they have uh, the location and. They have a casino Ghana, there, right? Uh, yeah, and Ganawagi and uh, Montreal. Yeah. Uh, again, location, but there are there are issues there uh, as well. Uh, there have been some uh, some promises with treaties that haven't been lived up to. So uh, it's got it's not going to be an ongoing process, and hopefully, getting through the pandemic, we'll get back to that and other political things that we can we can uh, start. Uh, working on yeah so somebody living on the reserve uh do they have a source of income or a job or or how does that work well depending on depending on the reserve depending on the economic development on the reserve uh there are some reserves that uh of course the, the land that they were given is not the best uh pile of rock trees and lakes uh if there's mining or if there's uh, logging or whatever uh it's possible but uh uh, economic development uh, um, would definitely help, uh, but in some cases, uh, it's uh, it's uh, they're living in, in a difficult place to to uh, create an economic development, being far away from uh, mainstream Canada, and uh, not having the uh, the resources to work with. So it's uh, and uh, it wasn't by choice that. Native people who uh, live on reserves. These were plots of land that were designated as uh, um, lands that they are allowed to inhabit, live on, and and uh, their home. But uh, not the best land, not the best circumstances. And uh, if you look at the Indian Act, uh, it's um, very restrictive. Historically, it was very restrictive. Uh, not being able to leave the reserve to work and uh, staying on the reserve. There's not much to do in terms of uh, employment. Uh, living, uh, I suppose you could say, a welfare state, but again, a very limited welfare state uh, where the, uh, you know, the resources aren't there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so like, uh, 
on the on these reserves, I know there's different varying levels of them, but there's electricity and running water. I I guess the not always water is a problem. Water is a problem. Electricity is a problem. Uh, housing is a problem. Huge issue. Yeah. Uh, health services is huge. Education. Uh, they have to leave their if they're going to get any education at all. They have to leave the reserve in many cases, and uh, to take a young Indian person and remove them from their home, uh, and which was done with the residential schools. Uh, they were taken forcefully from their homes. And uh, uh, But uh, so in, the, in these times, when the you know, post-residential school situation, for a young Indian person to leave their home, it's, uh, it's very traumatic, difficult, uh, and uh, not an easy route to take. It's not a uh, it's not, and very often a very difficult road uh, to follow. So um, it's uh, it's not easy. No. Well, I, I think we could do a whole podcast just on on this. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think uh, so. And I don't claim to be an expert, but just from what I've observed, and uh, yeah, um, I was as I said, I was fortunate that my dad decided not to come back to the reserve in one respect, but in another respect, I lost contact with my. My native heritage, and uh, but I've picked up on it since uh, yeah. over the years. I uh, I was having a debate or a debate a conversation with a guy at uh, work uh, about the the Redskins and and that stuff, and I actually reached out to Jeff uh, because I felt comfortable asking him his opinion on the on the situation. So he made uh-huh. uh, several good points that I was was not even aware of. Um, so it's, it's a good conversation to have and I encourage uh-huh. anyone who, who doesn't, uh, necessarily follow it to maybe, uh, look into it and explore some of the, the options or reach out to someone, right. you know, uh, well, there are various names that, um, various ethnic groups are labeled with and, uh, to use some of these other ethnic labels, I don't think it would happen, to, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the, non-native community so it's it, it is a controversial issue but not but not uh, the main issue that's uh, that's um causing difficulty for native people yeah, yeah. um so uh where, where did you go to school after uh, like university or well I, after before you know i grew up in uh, as i said sonic creek went to went to school there elementary school through uh, I, I guess i started in grade Age six, it would have been grade one, and uh, one through eight in Ontario, and then high school in uh, Stony Creek, Ontario, which is now a part of Hamilton, Ontario. And um, then I went to uh, McMaster University, uh, got a phys ed degree there and a BA, and um, then to a teacher's college. And that uh, that took us to being to being hired to to somewhere in the province to teach. And I applied to several different places. And um, uh, we, we ended up in Vancouver Hill. Uh, Shirley was already, my wife was already teaching in Hamilton. Uh, she graduated a couple of years before me. It was, um, when I graduated, it was um, four years plus one year of teacher's college. And she went straight out of university and uh, straight into teaching uh, with the summer school. So she'd been teaching in Hamilton, and I, of course, applied around Hamilton and uh, that area. And uh, but uh, we uh, went to um, 
it was a job fair at the Royal York Hotel in, uh, in Toronto, and we said to one another, the first place it'll take both of us, let's go for an adventure. So uh, we ended up in Vancouver Hill. I ended up uh, teaching at VCI, and she ended up teaching at Hawkesbury High School. Uh, what year was that in that you, in, you came That in? was 1971. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a few years ago now. And, um, yeah, so that's how we, we, uh, we ended up in Bangkok Hill. And growing up in uh, southern Ontario, as I said, you know, played the, all the traditional school sports and uh, uh, mostly um, football and track. Uh, a lot of my, most of my sports were actually in the community, baseball and uh, fastball and hockey uh, were the main ones. So, did you ever have a football team in Vancouver Hill when you were there? Or? Oh yes, yeah. Uh, I first started coaching uh, from 1971 till I think it was 76 or 77. We, we had football. Okay. And uh, I coached uh, the football team, uh, assistant coach to begin with, and senior team. And then I, we had a junior and a senior team. So my second year at VC, I think it was my second year, started um, coaching uh, the junior team. And um, then uh, I think we won the championship, and then the following year or two, I uh, coached the senior team and um, until uh, we ran out of schools to play against. We had the Hawkesbury and ourselves and Plantagenet at the end. Initially, we had uh, we played against Maxville, uh, which became Tagua, uh, Glengarry. It was the Glengarry Prescott Russell League. Okay. It was, and it was and it was good football. We had, we turned out some pretty good players. So, uh, who are some of those players? Uh, anyone we would know or? Well, Wayne Lee. Wayne Lee, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, uh, Jeff Hudson, uh, Dean LaDuke, um, uh, uh, Jeff Volkert. Uh, I could I have to go through my my archive of people here, but uh, uh, Danny Kirby played uh, CIEU football, University okay. football. Uh, Warren Lee. Uh, there was a lot of good uh, football players, yeah. and uh, some went on to university play football, and uh, it was a good level of football for you know for rural uh, schools. Yeah, we're... the ref the referees would come come down from Ottawa, and uh, they would comment that uh, you guys know what you're doing here, and uh, this is uh, a lot better than some school uh, high school games we do. We we referee in Ottawa. Oh, really? So that, so that was encouraging. Yeah. And uh, I could see you when I first started. Uh, I remember uh, that one of the first years I was coaching junior. I guess my second year, uh, we were playing against Glengarry. And I can't remember the fellow's name, but they, uh, he was a soccer player. And uh, they're That's lining surprised. up at the 40-45 at the yard line. And I thought, oh, they're going to punt. Oh, they're lining up for a field goal. And this uh, young guy kicked a field goal from about 45 yards out. Oh, and he ended up, I can't remember his name now, but he ended up kicking and, uh, for uh, Calgary Stan Peterson. He had a career there as a kicker. Oh, uh, nice. I bet you uh, it, was, it was a mix, something or other. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> heck out of me when they did that. Yeah. Um, I heard uh, the Hawkesbury Van Lickel rivalry in football. Uh, I think it was Jamie Cunning said that you, you didn't want to run out of bounds in Hawkesbury because you didn't know if you were going to get back on the field or not. <laughs> yeah, Jamie. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, he was at VCI before me. He'd already graduated, but I can I can believe that. 
yeah. it was pretty it was pretty strong rivalry. Uh, of course, I I became good friends with the coaches, but uh, the rivalry was pretty strong. Yeah, uh, uh, I remember um, some of our probably our toughest games were uh, against Hawkesbury. Uh, Kevin Carkner, uh, he, he was quarterback at uh, Hawkesbury, and they did they did beat us once in the in the senior final. I think we beat them the next year. But uh, it was a really hard-fought defensive game, and I think it was uh, only one or two touchdowns in the whole game, and it was a strong defensive battle. Good football, and uh, uh, the whole community was out watching watching the game. Yeah. Uh, the games that I remember, it was a, quite an event for the community. Yeah, and, that's, uh, we're kind of missing that now. I know that there is a football... Uh, GD now and Vantley Kill sends uh, half the team over. Uh, they kind of uh-huh. combine combine a team, um, and they've been pushing to have like a Friday night game so the community could all come out and and have like a Texas style uh, football game on a Friday night. But uh, yeah. it hasn't happened yet. That'd be quite the atmosphere. You've got lights at the, the field in Vantley Kill now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we got lights on the on the field, so it would be that would be that would be fantastic to see. Emma. I'd love to see that personally. Yeah, well, if we can make it happen, I'll, I'll send you an invite. But uh, <laughs> okay, I've been, we'll see what happens. Yeah, my daughter played soccer in um, Saint Lazar this year, and uh, wow. Hamish Cunning's uh, youngest uh, started playing football uh, at the same field. So uh, we went out a few times to go watch the the football game there. And this oh, this is a junior high school, and they have a uh, synthetic field right on the side of the the 40 highway there and it, oh, right. yeah it's lights and it's just incredible the uh the facility that they have and uh-huh. uh, we played soccer all summer in the like in the montreal league and uh we didn't play on any uh, grass fields hardly at all uh, wow all the all the soccer was on uh, synthetic field in quebec they they certainly uh put the money into the sports uh-huh. but uh, hopefully but, but there's nothing like a, a good old grass field especially oh, yeah. for soccer yeah. I think soccer should be played on a grass field and uh, but football either way work. but that would be uh, quite, quite something to see at least guy yeah um, so uh, so when I what I remember basketball was always the big sport in Vancouver Hill uh, oh, through, yes. through much of the 80s and, and the 90s um, it's kind of petered off a little bit there now uh, but I got a question here from uh, Jennifer Barton from Norwood, Ontario, and uh, she writes, uh, Mr. Vidan, two-part question. What was the greatest basketball team you ever coached, and why did you choose the 1989 VCI Senior Girls? <laughs> well, Jen, that's a good question, and yeah, you're, you're advocating for yourself for sure. Um, yeah, that, that question from Jen doesn't doesn't surprise me. Yeah. They they were they were fun to coach. Uh, I really enjoyed coaching the girls teams. Yeah, but, so who all know, to, who to all would have been out, on that team? To pick out one team is not fair, but I suppose statistically, I'd have to pick the 1982 uh, senior team, the team that won Alsa. Yeah, and that was an interesting experience because well that year. Uh, We'd won, we won the Asa as a junior team, and uh, I hadn't coached uh, senior until uh, that team went up to senior, and I, uh, Jacques Castonguay and I talked about it, and he said, well, why don't you continue with these guys, and 
and uh, so I continued up uh, grade, uh, that would be grade 12 and 13. And uh, grade 12, I think uh, we lost in the Yasa final uh, to a team from Bay Ridge. And Bay Ridge had won uh, AFSA single A the two previous years. And uh, Barry O'Connor, uh, he told me uh, that we were probably, um, our team was probably amongst the top three or four in the province and single A. And we could have we could have very well competed, uh, and the, so the next year we went, and not knowing what to expect, uh, we load on the on the uh, the team van, and of course back in those days I was the coach, I was the bus driver, and uh, and um, you know taking care of everything. Uh, I can't remember if anybody else came along with me to, to help out, but anyway, that's such a. Uh, Top level, good level of basketball. We that was the years we played in the Cornwall League, and we won. Uh, we won the, the Cornwall League, and they didn't invite us back. We beat CCBS in the final, and that was a fantastic uh, uh, couple of years we played. And that team, I probably had a lot of the twelve. There were twelve players on the team, and uh, Peter Higginson, the manager, he could have played as well. He was. Uh, Tallest and, and the one of the tallest guys in the in the, in the roster, and uh, out of those twelve guys, I could have probably started any five of them. Okay. And I remember going to a tournament in Ottawa. I think it was a referees tournament, and uh, I said, uh, oh, "I'm not going to start. Uh, I I don't want to name a starting five, but these are the guys I'm going to start." And it was sort of the the second five. So we st I started those guys and. Uh, um, Guys like Ed Williams, uh, Rod Lacroix, uh, Rod Wenrick, uh, Alan McMillan, uh, Ken Sawyer, and uh, you know we're we're leading. And I thought, oh boy, okay, now I got to put on my starting five. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then they, the, these guys, the starting five, they were itching to play, so they cut on there. It was, uh, it was there was no, no way we were gonna keep keep these guys down. And uh, so I did that a few times, not trying to play tricks on anybody but just to create a balance and that team was probably the most balanced uh team with depth and uh these guys were would play basketball 24 7 there was a court uh they called the court i'm not sure it's still there it is still there development uh there should be a plaque there somewhere because the all vci guys they all went down there um some of uh, you could call it rat ball, but it was a good level of basketball. Guys came up from, from Hawkesbury, guys like uh, uh, oh, Dan Golding, and a bunch of guys came up and played. And, and uh, uh, Hawkesbury was, was the big competition, but they, these guys all knew one another. And uh, so that's how that team developed. And uh, when we went to uh, to offset. was at uh, Camp Borden uh, near uh, Barrie, Ontario. And, uh, you know, one game at a time, we played our first game. Uh, against uh, uh, this team, and we, I think we went, we won all our games, uh, and then we, we, that's the first team we played. I can't remember where they're from, where they they were from, but uh, we ended up playing them in the final, and uh, we just built on that. And uh, I remember Frank Salazar, who was one of the, you could call him a starting guard, along with uh, Craig Patterson. Uh, he uh, sprained his ankle, and uh, he wanted to play in that final so badly. But uh, one of my other guards, uh, well, they shared Al McMullen and uh, and Ken Sui. They they uh, came up, stepped forward, and did a great job. 
we ended up winning, winning the thing. And I remember the, the ride home from, uh, we drove straight home, I think, after the game. The game finished around four in the afternoon. And uh, I was driving. I was I was pumped, of course, and uh, could have driven uh, anywhere and, uh, on, on that energy. And uh, we got home. A big uh, welcoming committee uh, group of people came out and uh, they uh, welcomed us. Uh, it was quite an event. So, and quite a memory. So was that yeah. was that like Mike Baker's team or, or was no, before? No, no. Mike ba- Mike Baker's team. Um, was a couple of years later uh, that uh, there was uh, John Turnbull, Mike Folkert, um, Dan du- uh, Jeff Dupel. Uh, they were all in that '82 team, and um, yeah, Rod Renwick. Uh, just trying to remember off the top of my head, uh, but uh, no, two years later, uh, it was um, Mike Baker's team. Uh, of course, uh, that off year '83 team, Mike Baker was on that team. If I recall correctly, and uh, we lost out to uh, I can't remember who it was, uh, Niasa. And uh, the next year we went uh, in '84. We went to uh, Niasa or to Offsa, and uh, ended up winning the uh, the bronze medal. And uh, right, looking at the draw, uh, we we uh, as it played out, we weren't able to uh, play for the silver medal, but. Uh, I think we lost by one or two points to the team that ended up winning in the um, in our semifinal game, and uh, they blew away the team, the other team, and the final. They met in the final, but so it was interesting that way. And Mike Baker's team was a, that was a great team. Uh, a lot of depth there. Uh, Mike Baker, uh, Mike Hatz, uh, Mike Peverell came down from Montreal. Uh, Six foot was Mike six foot six, which helped. Uh, and um, of course, Mike went on to Concordia and uh, won uh, with Concordia Stingers. I think it was '89. They won the uh, the CIU, the um, Canadian University Championship. Yeah. So that was a good team. But uh, after that, you know, things kept clicking, clicking along, and we uh, we had good teams. We had uh, uh, players like Trevor Allen. Uh, on that uh, team, uh, eighty-four team, and uh, he was, I think, maybe in grade ten, and then he continued on, and then we played against some good teams and uh, did did fairly well. Uh, Almont was a big competition in the Asa, and uh, they had, they had a player, uh, Corey Hallis was his name, who uh, went on and played Eastern Michigan, okay. and uh, I, I saw him in Syracuse years later. He was. Uh, in March Madness, first round of March Madness with East, Mich- East Michigan, and I had a chat with him. He was staying at the same hotel. I went down with some some boys and took some Mike and Jeff and my sons and a couple other guys down, uh, and um, saw first round of March Madness and uh, East Michigan, uh, East, Mich- East Michigan State. Corey Allison's team from Vermont. He uh, they went on and uh, made it to the Sweet Sixteen. And uh, be about out there, but uh, that's the level of ball we're, we're playing against. Yeah, and, and we'd go down and play exhibition games and tournaments down in Montreal against uh, some of the uh, the uh, CJEP schools, and uh, we'd do okay. You know, uh, we'd often get our our butts whipped, but uh, you know, you're only as good as uh, who you play against, and it brought our game up 
um, another notch. And during your time, uh, basketball was still strong. Yeah, I was trying to make a, a case with Jason Hall a few minutes ago that uh, that the 92-93 team would have uh, given the teams from the 80s a, a run just because of it the sh- been, sheer yeah, it size. It would have been interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, um, the game had changed a little bit. It was a little bit more structured than that at that time. Uh, I'm more or less the 82 team, the Austin team. I had a few systems. Uh offensive and defensive, but they had so such good instinct uh, and they knew what to do against a certain defense and they had they just overpowered people. And uh, But uh, during that time, we had uh, much more structured uh, uh, systems. And I think uh, the three-point shot came in. Yeah. And uh, that made a difference. Had people like uh, oh, uh, Mike Horner and a lot of guys, Rob Dabransky, uh, and Andrew Allen uh, could shoot uh, a lot of a lot of good shooters. Yeah, John Simpson was the uh, John Simpson. He yeah, was he probably was, the best shooter from that that era yeah, I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, uh, John was a smart player, very smart player. Yeah, uh, and very intelligent, knew the game, and uh, uh, so that team we went to Offsa uh, in St. Thomas. Yeah, we uh, Adam Nicholson was on that team, uh, and uh, of course. Um, Jason Wilson, Jason Wilson, Chris, uh, uh, Chris Jones, Chris, Chris Jones, and uh, Mike Booth, Mike Booth, and uh, Marcus Freeman, uh, Mark Marcus Freeman, and, yeah. and, and uh, Les. I'm not sure if Les Haas was on. Yeah, Les was yeah. on the team too. It was yeah, a it, it was a pretty tall team. Um, it was. You look at the the size where where Les is your fourth shortest player on the team. That's uh, that's a pretty big team. <laughs> That helps. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You can uh, you can't teach height. Yeah, J- Jason Wilson is a six foot one uh, point guard. And, point guard, yeah. And Mike Horn- and, Mike Horner is your best dunker uh, on the floor, yeah. and he's five ten. So yeah, is he five ten? He played like six foot four. Yeah. So I don't know. We we were having the conversation. Jason said I was on crack. There was yeah. no way that uh, <laughs> that team Re- recency bias, right? So. Well, they were good athletes on that team. Um, in the, the, the uh, 82 team, they were good athletes. Those guys played soccer. They played, uh, if there, there was football in school, they would have played football. But they also played hockey. Craig Patterson was a good hockey player. Mike Folker played, played hockey. Uh, who else in there played hockey? But uh, uh, it's just like the, well, the, the 92 team, 92-93 team. Uh, you had Mike uh, Horner. Very good hockey player, and yeah. a few other guys. Uh, Andrew, Andrew, yeah, <laughs> of course. And uh, Marcus, Marcus, uh, yeah, yeah, Marcus. Uh, I just don't want to leave any names out here. And uh, there's, over the years, there's so many good. All, and that was the, the thing about uh, VCI. You had guys played all sports. You had a chance to play all sports. And I think, uh, in a lot of cases, going back in the day, that what that's what kept them ticking, uh, education-wise, kept them in. Uh, Tuned into school and getting an education, getting through high school and getting through the sports season, and uh, uh, I think it was a, a valuable thing to have in a in a school curriculum. Uh, and these guys played sports in the community and uh, contributed to the, the community sports as well. And now are uh, like yourself involved in uh, your own kids. Uh, face, Facebook is amazing. So uh, I, I get really a, a warm feeling when I see some of the. 
uh, pictures of you guys coaching and, and uh, with your families and your your kids and uh, you know involved with with them and uh, in so many different ways. Yeah, well, I, I owe a lot of my uh, of my coaching and and volunteer work to yourself and uh, people like uh, Mr. McCollum and um, uh-huh. I don't I don't think I'd. I'd be doing any of this stuff if it weren't for for yourself and uh, and the guidance I got uh, going through high school and uh, like high school is the the best time of my life you know you know you're gonna see all your best friends every day and uh, um, and lifelong lifelong friends yeah I, I look at it uh, like Haley's ten now and um, it's kind of sad because she's only got she's kind of halfway through her sports career. When you look at it, you know she's only got another another eight years uh, to go, and and it's going to be done. So, yeah, um, yeah. But she'll find her way. She'll she, find sport. Oh yeah, yeah. She she enjoys it. Uh, it's uh-huh. uh, but we just have to get get things back into the schools and. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. You know. I I can't imagine teaching in these times. Uh, it's it's going to be so difficult from the the health perspective, but also from. Uh, just the uh, continuation of activities and the lack of, of school, normal school activities is going to be uh, really difficult. It's difficult right across the community. I'm yeah. Sure. So, um, so the, another another thing that you were uh, heavily involved in in, in school was uh, school trips. Uh, we did some exchanges. We did some canoe trips. Um, let's talk about the canoe trips for a little bit. Uh, what year did you start doing the the trips oh, to Montrama or Algonquin Park? Or going back, uh, let's see some of the first trips we did. We do local canoe days. We'd go to we'd round up go down to Carryon Park and uh, spend the day down there, just on the water and and doing some stuff, doing some orienteering and uh, doing some uh, canoe uh, games and so on. And um, but then I I've got to try to remember. I, Probably back in the late seventies, there was uh, a cadet corps corps in uh, at Hill, and they did a couple of trips that we did, and uh, that got me interested. Uh, um, Jean Louis Diamond and um, Jacques Castonguay. Jean Louis didn't do any of the trip, but he he supported us with uh, whatever we needed. And uh, I remember doing a trip up to the one I remember first one I remember was up to Lake Baptiste uh, near Bancroft. Uh, Guy Plouf, uh, Dominique Michelin Plouf, Sylvie Plouf's dad, he was a Mr. Canoe uh, guy, and he was a neighbor, so uh, went along on that trip, and that, that got me hooked. I'd done a bit of canoeing before, but then, uh, so that would be late 70s, early 80s, yeah. and then, we, then we, did a, we did a few trips up there out of, out of his cottage, and uh, up into uh, Algonquin Park. Uh, um, one particular trip I remember back in the day was well Heather Baker, uh, Mike's sister. I'm not sure Mike must have done one, but uh, I remember her uh, that group being on a trip. And um, so that, that would have been Jennifer, Jennifer Barton's group. Pardon? That would have been Jennifer oh, Jennifer Barton's group. Yeah, Heather. That's right. Yeah. 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 Heather Baker. Heather Mahan. Uh, Heather. Heather, she's married to Reed Mahan. Oh, uh, no, I think I got the wrong person there. Yeah. yeah. I think, I'm not sure if they live in Vancouver Hill, but, yeah. uh, but that's the one I remember. And yeah, yeah. it would have been Jen Barton's uh, 
there. And um, so we started then, and uh, it was uh, we started the grade 13 um, course uh, that became part of that that uh, curriculum. Yeah. And we incorporated leadership and a lot of a lot of other stuff. It was kind of a coming together and uh, getting off in the right step. It was a it was a highlight of the course as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, it, was a, it, was, sure. it was a good course, uh, but uh, it was a highlight of the school year. Yes, it to, was to get out and uh, uh, we uh, we did uh, trips mostly to um, Montreal Park, North Lac Monroe, North Side yeah. of uh, Montreal and. Uh, some interesting experiences, uh, interesting times, <laughs> fun times. Yeah, I remember our our grade thirteen year. Uh, we were all canoeing along, and you were you were leading the pack, and all of a sudden you you put your hand up, and everyone stopped, and it was really quiet. And you reached down and you scooped a a big handful of water, and you smelled it. You were, <laughs> he says, "There's beaver in this water." And everyone was like, "Why is there a beaver in the water?" And we went around the corner, and and sure enough, there was a beaver dam. And I was so amazed, Mister Vidan could smell beaver. But then, uh, about two years later, I started going on the canoe trips as uh, as a chaperone. And I think I did it right up until you retired. And, yeah, you did. And every year, we would stop in the same place, and there was beaver in the water every single year. And sure enough, <laughs> I guess I knew where the beaver lodge was. Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but uh, it was an interesting story. Many interesting stories, lot, but lots of fun, lots of activity. Uh, the hikes we did and uh, the on water stuff. And uh, I remember one year, uh, Vicky Wilson's uh, year, and um, the canoe trip we did, and Hurricane Hugo came through. Okay. And and we're going from uh, the last couple of days, we we go downstream and we'd be picked up uh, down the Riviera de Dieu, the Devil River, uh, on the way down, and. Uh, the night where we put in uh, for our camp, um, Hurricane Hugo just blasted, and we had a good time. A big, we got a big campfire going, and everybody was comfortable and warm. But we dragged our canoes up on shore. We thought, and in the morning, our canoes were almost being washed away. The water had risen that much, okay. so all the rain. But uh, Aaron Droy, Aaron, um, oh, uh, Kerry Dawson, yeah, uh, Angela Bailey, all that gang. All basketball players again, and I, I talked a while ago about uh, basketball, mostly boys. And Jen asked the question. I, I better go back and uh, explain that uh, that uh, the enjoyment that I had coaching, working with it, with the girls. There were some very good girls teams came out of UCI. Oh yes. Yeah, and uh, the results are there, you know, provincially to prove it. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Vicky Wilson and that gang, and they they were you know they were really a keen group and hardworking group, but um, very coachable. Girls tend to be more coachable sometimes than guys. Oh yes, I, in, I in coach both. Different them. respect. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of yeah. took over for for the girls uh, from uh, club level um, after I uh, I got into university. There, I coached uh, for several years, and Kyla Burwash and Nikki Sternakis and in that group and uh and yeah it was a lot easier coaching the girls they would do what you you asked them to and uh, uh-huh. uh first time and there wasn't uh wasn't all the testosterone uh, i guess in the <laughs> i suppose yeah and we had some pretty busy schedules like uh going to various tournaments we did a lot of traveling and uh with both girls and boys teams but i remember taking the girls down to kingston to a lot of tournaments ottawa and uh, of course uh, provincially uh when 
we already made it to Mofsa. Um, and that was uh, quite an experience for me. That was sort of by attrition. The girls needed a coach, and I thought, I, I guess I could probably do it. There's no, there's no football to coach in the fall, and uh, I had volleyball coaches, so uh, I could pick up on the uh, on the um, girls' basketball. I enjoyed it. I was very happy I did. And I was sorry to let it go, but Christine Solvey came along. Christine Campbell, she came along. She did a great job and is still doing a great job with girls. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's, there's a, uh, a good history there, a good um, legacy there of, of great teams over the years, the girls' teams. But that, that uh, canoe trip, uh, when Hurricane Hugo came and almost flooded us out, uh, the girls uh, that on that in that group uh, they they stepped forward and they they held their own. Uh, Vicky and uh, Aaron and all that gang. Uh, Melanie Kirby. Uh, just trying to, I, I don't want to. I shouldn't name names, but because I'll forget so many, <laughs> so many, so many people to remember. But yeah. uh, good good group of kids, and uh, uh, I guess uh, Vicky's teaching up in uh, in Renfrew now. Yeah, Jason uh, as well. With, with Jason, yeah. yeah. And uh, carrying, carrying along the basketball program there, I'm sure. Yeah. But those those canoe trips were great. Yeah. And, uh, oh, no, yeah, I had a lot of fun on them. It was uh, the highlight of my of my fall. Um, I've got a, a question here from uh, Hamish Cunning from Vancouver, Ontario. Uh, uh-huh. He asks, uh, Mr. Verdan, do you remember our bike trip to Carrion Park when the campsite was overrun with raccoons for some strange re- reason? It was really weird. The other thing I remember was you ordering us pizza pizza on that trip. We ate well that night. <laughs> yeah, uh, they delivered to Cherry on Park from Hawkesbury, I guess. I can't but I, I do remember that bike trip, but I also remember the canoe trip that uh, Hamish was on. And uh, Eric Dagg was on that trip. Who else would there be? But that, that guy, Corey O'Neill. Yeah. Uh, those guys. And... Uh, I'm not sure if it was, it was probably Hamish. He, he started catching minnows out of the lake and uh, started eating them raw. <laughs> so we're in, into sushi here now. Yeah, sushi long before his time. So was, the challenge was on. Uh, who was, who, who uh, had the, the courage, fortitude to, to uh, down a, a live minnow? And I mean, I'm sure Hamish was the first one. Yeah. I, I'm sure you can see uh, Hamish doing that. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> but that's uh, another one of the memories. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember that bike trip. We had great bike trips too in the spring. Yeah, I think uh, we good, good way. To, you know, good way to get the spring going, and yeah. uh, it was uh, some awesome times. And that, that was our route. We went. I think we usually left Bankley Hill down to Del Key, uh, down to Carrion Park, camped overnight, and then the next day we'd bike back. Yeah, we uh, we missed out on our bike trip for some reason. Um, was it was it a grade twelve bike trip? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a grade twelve bike trip and grade thirteen canoe trip. Yeah. So grade twelve, um, you weren't at VCI. You took um, a, you took a yeah, year. What, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would be ninety four. That was the year I I uh, was vice principal, temporary vice principal at uh, Pleasant Corners. And what was that experience like? That was great. My office was right beside the uh, kindergarten, uh, Mrs. Dubrasky, and, and of course, Linda Burwash. Uh, and uh, I was over there and helping out with the kids, uh, 
I loved it. It was just like having uh, having uh, twenty or thirty grandkids, and uh, it was a great experience. I yeah. enjoyed it thoroughly. And uh, uh, that year, uh, let's see, um, coached the uh, senior, the grade eight boys basketball team. Uh, Eric um, Freeman was on that team, and uh, I can't remember. Again, many names. I shouldn't do this, but um, uh, Ian Rainey, uh, Russell Eric, uh, Ian Rainey. Yeah, well, that guy. Yeah. And poor, poor Eric. I coached him in grade eight, and then he uh, he came up and he he played senior basketball grade nine. Yeah. Grade yeah. nine through five years of senior basketball, and he had a poor guy had me as a coach for six years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that year when you were gone, I had uh, Andrew Lawford for a coach. And yeah, that, was, that changed BCI a lot, I think. That's when rugby came in. Yeah, so we had him for basketball, and we did nothing but run the whole time. I ran so many <laughs> stairs with yeah. uh, with Offord, and I remember coming into the school one day. It was, uh, it was in the spring, and he met me at the front door. He's like, Jackson, 12 o'clock, room 203. I'm like, what did I do? I just got here. How could I be in trouble already? <laughs> so... Uh, 12 o'clock, I go upstairs for God knows what, and I walk in, and it's all my buddies sitting there, Andrew Allen, uh, you know, all the guys that, Jeff was probably there, all the guys that played all the sports, and so we sit down, nobody knows why we're there, and in he walks with a television and a rugby ball, and he pops in a, a VHS of a rugby game and says, you guys are on the rugby team, and our first practice is on Saturday morning. So, so that was that was a historic moment. Yeah. So uh, so I think we all puked after uh, after the first practice. It was it was an all day practice, and uh, there was a lot of running, and um, it was it was a lot of fun. I think yeah. I actually scored the first points for uh, for VCI and. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah, I was the I was the kicker, so I was the fly half. Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, so I think I kicked our our first uh, our first points in, but. Uh, I know Andrew Allen uh, played one game, and uh, next thing I knew, he was on the provincial. Uh, the junior team. Yeah, yeah provincial team. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was a great introduction. It was just a uh, fortunate uh, uh, that you had that uh, Andrew Andrew Lawford. Yeah, yeah it, was Andrew. Andrew. it was Andrew Lawford. Yeah, and then yeah, the I'm, not, uh, I'm thinking of his brother Ian, uh, who uh, played basketball at VCI. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, Andrew and then he went on to uh, Rockland. Yeah. There was big competition, uh, big rivalry between Rothland and uh, VCI in rugby. Yeah, we had well. Trevor was at our school the following year. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Allen. Yeah, I, so. yeah. I brought a bit of um, rugby back when I came back from Australia in '89, and uh, we played rugby league, you know, the touch rugby league. And, but he, uh, I, I didn't have a rugby background, and, and Andrew did. Yeah. He played with Ottawa Irish, so he, he took it to uh, up the next several levels. Yeah, and rugby's still being played, isn't it? VCI. Uh, I'm not sure about now, um, but it was up until recently, at least. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. The uh, Wayne Lee took it over, and then we had Mr. Uh, Gooseman, I believe his name uh-huh. was, uh, from yes. South Africa. He uh, he was helping out with it. Um, so yeah, no, it was uh, it was very successful, very uh, popular sport. Uh-huh. Um, that- that's the team that came out to, uh, there's a team that came out to Kamloops. Yes. And uh, I went over to see the guys and watch them play a couple of matches. It was, it was great to see it. And all the, a lot of the um, players were sons of guys that I've coached. Like uh, Craig Leroy is uh, J- 
Jeff Leroy's son, that yeah. coach, and um, uh, I can't um, the Cross boy, Adam. Adam Cross, yeah. Adam Cross uh, is his dad, Bruce Cross. I played football, good athlete, good sports family. Yeah. And uh, there were a few others as well. And uh, it was a great, a great uh, opportunity to, to see these guys play and see how far rugby had come. Uh, you guys were on the right track when I, I left uh, after having Andrew there. Uh, and uh, things really got going well. Yeah. So you mentioned you were in Australia. I remember, uh, I think I was in grade seven when you guys went down uh, to Australia for a year. Um, yeah, one took, yeah, my family exchange. Oh, well, my teacher exchange. Yeah. How did that, how did that come about? Well, um, a few friends of mine, a um, uh, teacher from uh, Thousand Islands, Ron Hungerford, who's, uh, who's Mr. Track and Field in Eastern Ontario, not in Ontario, and uh, another fellow from... Um, Canon Opry High School, they, they had done uh, exchanges and they were talking to me about it and said, uh, you could, should do this, you know, uh, so it perked an interest and uh, so I put my application in and um, as it turned out, uh, I ended up uh, in an exchange with, with uh, John Brown from Triama, New South Wales and uh, uh, it was a great year. I had a fantastic time teaching down there, learning all the Aussie sports, and uh, uh, loved the place, uh, great part of the world, and it really, you know, worked out well from both ends with the with the um, the impact that uh, John Brown had on BCI. Uh, he brought a, a new energy, a different energy to, to the school, and different activities, different sports, different approach to sports, and. Uh, of course, you were, yeah, as you say, you're in grade seven. I think Jeff was in grade five. Year uh, five in I'm Australia. A, yeah, I'm a year ahead of Jeff. But yeah. No, uh, yeah. yeah. I heard Mr. So Brown took the, took the kids on a bike uh, trip in the snowstorm. <laughs> well, it was October. It was late. It's going to be a late fall um, bike trip. Yeah. And it snowed. It snowed, apparently. I heard about it. Yeah. And uh, I was ha- quite happy to hear about it because. I'd be checking the weather a little bit before I went, but he wanted to do the bike trip before uh, he returned to Australia, and that would be his last opportunity. That's more or less why he did it. Okay. And um, so he got they got it in, and they had uh, uh, quite an experience dealing with the weather, dealing with the, uh, the cycling conditions, which weren't the best, but they they did it. And uh, uh, I heard about it when I got back from the kids. And uh, we did a, I think we did a canoe trip and or a bike trip in the spring, or yeah. a canoe trip in the spring. I can't remember. Oops, that's my phone. Sorry. Uh, and uh, yeah, so um, it was a great experience for him, for John, and uh, for me. And after after that, we we decided, hey, this is something we should share with uh, other students, and uh, we created that exchange, student exchange thing where we. I think the first year, you were on that first trip, we went down to Australia. Yeah, I, I remember it very well. I was in your basement, uh, and I think I was in, probably in grade 9 or 10, probably grade 10. And uh-huh. uh, you walked down the stairs, we were playing pool, and I think uh, maybe Eric Dagg and Peter Barton were there. And yes. uh, you said to us, you better start saving your pennies because we're going to Australia in two years. <laughs> and I, at that point, I was in. like, I, Yeah, um, yeah. So, 
Uh, we, we saved our money. We sold Christmas trees. We did everything to, to raise everything, money. Yeah. I think I said something like you've got uh, two birthdays, two Christmases between now and the trip. Uh, tell everybody you want money. Yeah, yeah, for your, exactly. For your, for your airfare. And the good thing was we did fundraising. All you had to, well, all you had to do, you had to raise your, uh, your airfare. Yeah. And uh, everything else, all the trips and excursions, I think it was about three weeks we were down there. Yeah. Everything was covered. And, uh, well, you said the other night when I spoke to you on the phone, you kind of, kind of caught me by surprise, and you said, my uh, my mom in Australia. And then I realized, oh, you're talking, I can't remember who she was. Yeah. That's, that was your, your Aussie mom. Yeah, Jill Dowd. Um, <laughs> That's right. So yeah. I... So uh, your son and myself and Peter and Eric had this bright idea that we would stay up the night before uh, we went to Australia, before the flight, and uh, get on to Australian time uh, while we were here. So we stayed up, we were at Eric Dagg's house, we played video games all night. Uh, I'd never been on a plane before, so I was just so excited to be on a plane. Uh, I'd never slept a wink all the way to Australia. And I got there, it was 8 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I think I passed out at the at the supper table that night. I'd been I think up. a lot of us did, yeah. yeah. I remember we landed, yeah, we landed in Sydney, it was first thing in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And we got a, we got a full day ahead, and I think uh, there was activities planned on the trip going down to Kayama, yeah. along the coast. We stopped uh, at uh, some beaches and... Some beaches, yeah, yeah. freshened up in the, in the Australian surf. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd, uh, I'd heard that you guys kind of pulled an all-nighter and, uh, <laughs> and I think I'd mentioned get yourself ready for this trip you're going all the way halfway around the world yeah uh, you know you be prepared physically and mentally and uh, uh, but uh, you know you guys got being young I know I knew I had to be prepared for it and uh, it was a, a great first exchange we, and I, we did two more of them yeah uh, uh, Randy told her Randy uh, Hall she was on one yeah uh, and uh uh, again, I'm not going to start naming names. There's so many uh, VCI kids. That I think it was a life-changing uh, event for them, a, life, a life-changing experience. Yeah, so I went back on the third third exchange as a chaperone. That's right. And um, I still keep in contact with uh, more of the people I met on the, on the third exchange. Um, and uh, so Kim Toya, who lives down there, uh, she's got a daughter that's a year older than my daughter, Haley. Uh, so Randy's daughter, my daughter, and Chase Albright's uh, daughter have been um, FaceTiming with her. And they've had all kinds of questions to ask. And uh, I've told them the stories. I had a pretty rough trip the first time I we went down there. Uh, physically, I, 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 I scraped my one side of my body diving for a try in a, in a parking yes. lot. And... Uh, I, I sprained broke my ankle. Your, broke your nose. Broke my broke nose. nose. Yeah, Jeff broke my nose in a uh, right before I had to get up and and thank the town for having us. So it was uh, it was a rough trip. So my my kids have heard all these stories. So they're getting to know this little girl in in Australia right now. And hopefully, um, when by the time they're done high school, we'll be able to plan a trip down and uh, and go see them. So oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, all uh, all, the, all these, these things happen as a result of a, a three-week trip to Australia. It's, it's amazing. And the contacts, the lifelong contacts you have, and the lifelong friendships you, you have and develop. And, yeah. Uh, to, 
you said it was your first flight ever. I don't think you're the only one that was a first-time flyer. And uh, I think it was a, a total of 26 hours of travel time from Ottawa to uh, Kingsford Smith Airport in Sydney. And uh, I can't remember what the flying time is. I think it's something like about 18 or 20 hours of flying time in the air. Yeah. So. Now our, our, on the third trip, it was worse because we had a... Uh... We had a layover in Vancouver. That's right. And then That's right. I remember there were pictures uh, when we got back and we started exchanging pictures because no one was to leave the airport. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden there were some pictures showed up of people out on a, in a limo touring yes. uh, touring Vancouver. I heard. I think I was asleep somewhere in the airport. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was Chase Albright's trip, I think. Yes. And, uh, yes. Uh, well, so, um was on that trip. Uh, uh, Carrie Albright or Carrie Mode. Um, yes. Brent Campbell, Pat Johnson. Uh, I, I Pat re- Johnson. Yeah. And they all had they all had a great experience. Yeah, and, I, uh, I, yeah. I tease Chase all the time because uh, the one day that he had to go to school, him and a bunch of them uh, skipped school, and uh, I think he caught them down at the uh, local pub. On. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it seems to me I remember something that. <laughs> But uh, you know, boys being boys, I suppose, and uh, and um, Andre Leduc. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, part of the experience being away from home, and, uh, they handled it well. Yeah. You know, they they uh, represented their school and their country uh, very well, and y'all did. Uh, you all had a, a great experience and uh, did a good job in representing BCI, and uh, the memories there. You know, I, I was back in uh, Kayama. Uh, let's see, it would be three years ago in 2017. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike and Kylie's wedding in Bali, which is just north of Perth, Australia. We did a kind of a circle tour, Bali to Perth, Australia to Kayama, and then over to New Zealand. Just we spent a couple of weeks with uh, uh, Suzanne Murray uh, at their place, and um, so I was back in Kayama and uh, saw John Brown and. Uh, uh, Met a lot of the people that I talked with. Didn't see too many. Um, well, Garth Barrett's family, we saw we saw the, the parents, their parents, but mostly Bill Johnson and uh, other teachers that I I taught with, and um, had a great time. And a lot of a lot of good memories came up and from from their perspective, having come up to. Uh, of course, their experience is, is the reverse, coming up to Canada, having a Canadian. Experience, especially the one in 1998. Yes. Uh, the the ice storm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were, I think, you were probably in school at that time. You were in college at that time. Wasn't I you? had just started working at Tobacco. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that was uh, uh, quite an experience for those guys, and uh, to to see uh, Canada under those circumstances. Uh, their parents uh, down in Australia, they'd heard on the news about this ice storm, and they thought, "Well, oh, we're never going to see our kids again." <laughs> And they came back full of uh, fantastic experiences and memories. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, one trip led to another. And uh, the last one was uh, after I retired. I retired in 2001. And I think the um, last trip was 2002. Uh, ben Seversky, Pat Johnson, Chase. Yeah. All, all those guys. And there's always a sports component there as well. I think we probably played. Uh, we probably played soccer or volleyball or basketball. Uh, 
something or other to that effect. Yeah. We always incorporated outdoor education. The theme was outdoor education and uh, sport. And of course, there's a cultural exchange and a school. I think you're all in school for a, at least one or two days yeah. with your Aussie uh, um, partner. And uh, uh, you gained a little bit of knowledge of, of uh, the education experience in Australia. How is uh, Bob, uh, Bob Brown doing these days? John Brown? John Brown, sorry. Uh, he's just doing, doing well. Um, he's had uh, a few health uh, things to deal with, but he's very resilient. Uh, he's still, when we were there, we went out kayaking, and uh, he still cycles. He's had a bit of an issue with vertigo, so he, his surfing, he has to be accompanied by some. So Bill Johnson takes him out surfing, uh, and he's hoping to get over this vertigo so, so he can get. He was quite an accomplished surfer in his time and an accomplished uh, rugby he played professional rugby rugby league uh Cronulla. and uh you know his brother his younger brother was uh, a world-class surfer at one time one of the top surfers in the world so he comes from a surfing background so he wants to get back on the surfboard uh full on and uh, i'm sure he will uh he's got a surf ski i think he's you know, ready to sit down uh, a little kayak that he yeah goes up to surf with that and uh, he's still very active very vital I was in touch with him uh, by email uh, just before Christmas and uh, he's um, doing, doing very well yeah that, the last time we were there I think he he was uh, undergoing some tra- uh, cancer treatment maybe yes he was yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. non-Hodgkin's lymphoma so he's, he's uh, got through that good uh, and he's, he's okay that way but uh, you know, he's uh, how old is he? He's same. I'll put it this way: he's the same age as uh, Gary Barton. Okay. And uh, so I'll put a number to that. <laughs> a couple of years to a couple of years older than I am. And so you, know, you get up to in your seventies, you know, you have some issues to deal with, and you just move forward. Yeah. 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 I I remember walking through the uh, the rainforest with him, and a big snake went across in front of us, and he took off into the bush after the snake. And he comes walking back, and he's like, this is the brown snake. It's the second most poisonous snake in the world. And we're all, like, yeah. eyes wide open and uh, a little, yep. little bit freaked out. I heard, uh-huh. uh, I heard legends that he had, uh, he had paddled out to see a shark in the, in the surf to check it out to see if it was a shark or a, uh, or a dolphin. Uh-huh. Um, those were the stories that the, the kids in Kayama were telling about, uh, about Mr. Brown, so... Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm sure he surfed uh, amongst the sharks. There's sharks in those waters. And, yeah, uh, it's just it's just a just a way of life. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, but uh, you know they've got the most dangerous species there, just like we do. That's the two-legged species. Yes, the most most dangerous species <laughs> in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. the, that's the one you gotta look out for. Yeah. But uh, you know he's he's quite a man. You know he's uh, he's got a spirit to him that's. Uh, insurmountable and uh uh, vci got a chance to experience that the year that he was there and got to know him a lot more than i did and the way that exchange played out was um we were on our way to australia and we stopped off at my brother's place in vancouver and john landed in um vancouver and uh stayed with my brother and so we we met we met up that way um and we went up for a ski. Uh, John snowboarded, and we skied up at Whistler. Well, it was two or three days he was there. 
and then he was on his way to um, east to Vancouver Hill after Christmas to uh, to start his uh, to start the well, he was starting his school year because he just finished the, the school year's uh, ends in December and picks up in February, but uh, meeting all the, the Canadians and uh, at VCI and uh, having an ex- a Canadian experience for himself. But that was an interesting way to, to meet and uh, and as I said, uh, VCI got to to know him a lot more than I did over that that year. Yeah. Yeah, but, but but over the years since uh, we've hooked up several times uh, w- with the exchanges, um, and uh, the last trip we spent some time with him. Uh, we went out for a kayak and uh, in the Minamura River. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, had a great time, and um, yeah, went out for dinner a few times and uh, had uh, uh, some interesting talks about all the, the experiences we we shared and about his Canadian experience. And he. I can't remember specifically, but he mentioned a few things that, uh, for example, uh, he was out running in the uh, off the school property in the back bush in Lumetz, and he found this uh, injured groundhog. So he brought the groundhog to uh, treat this thing. He brought he wrapped it up in his his shirt and brought it into Gary Barton, and uh, <laughs> Gary said, "Here, give me that thing. I'll take care of it." Oh. <laughs> and I'm sure Gary did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. He would he would uh, in the middle of winter. It's minus twenty out, and he'd uh, go back to our house for for lunch or whatever, and in gym shorts, and uh, you know something a Canadian wouldn't do, but to and fro wearing gym shorts and yeah. outside and thrashing around in the snow and with a t-shirt and gym shorts on. Yeah, uh, crazy stuff like that. But that's that's John Brown, and that's the way he is. Yeah. I, uh, you, you mentioned Suzanne Murray a little bit, uh, before, uh, I, I was actually talking to her, uh, while I was preparing for this and she had a couple of questions for you. I, I should have mentioned them earlier. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she, she asked me to, to ask you about, uh, a steamroller when you were, uh, when you were in university. A, a steamroller. Yeah. Did you, did you oh, work with your dad yeah. or? Uh, yeah, that's when I was working on, uh, my summer job was working, one of the best jobs other than teaching, uh, summer job, I was working on the Regional Roads Commission. Okay. And we would do road repairs, and uh, in the town, I don't know if you're familiar with the geography of uh, Hamilton area, but there's the Niagara Escarpment, uh, which is about, about 300 feet high, and there's a road that comes down, there's a little switchback underneath uh, a railway line, and we're we're patching that road with tar and gravel and so on and uh driving the the uh, roller had to be driven down this incline uh, down this uh, road and uh the thing slipped out of gear and it's running away on us and uh there's my stop so i i pointed it uphill and we just jumped and let the thing roll <laughs> so uh yeah that was uh, and there were because i knew we were coming to a little switchback and there might be some vehicles coming the other way uh, so we left off that thing, and uh, no harm done today. And they re- recovered the, the thing, fixed it, and we were back on the road with it the next day. Oh, good, good. Uh, she also mentioned uh, how she was sleeping at one of the canoe trips, and she heard uh, she heard someone throwing rocks into the water, and you had uh, told her that you thought it was a uh, moose. 
and one of your students came up with a good line. Uh, she didn't yes. tell me what it was, but... Yeah, well, the, the night before, at the ground, the campfire, the, the campfires were always great in those Canadian trips. You know, we played various, you know, leadership games and uh, had some good chats and so on. And I said, well, don't be surprised if you, in the middle of the night, you know, maybe some moose come around. I knew there were moose around. So I, I saw some uh, hoof prints. And uh, if you hear something like uh, somebody throwing a rock in the, the water, plunk, 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 that'll, that could very well be a moose. So the next day we're doing breakfast, and I can't remember who it was. One of the students uh, said, Mr. Van, how do those moose throw those rocks in the water? <laughs> uh. And uh, I just... I just doubled over laughing. Oh, okay, explanation needed here. Yeah, she actually uh, told me who the student was. So I won't. I won't mention their name. Right, that's. A, <laughs> we got a, a teach a teaching moment here. Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the many uh, odd things that happened, uh, fun things that happened on those trips, and there were many of them. Yeah. There were many, man. And now they're memories and fond memories for sure. Yeah. Well, my my grade, uh, my food group. Uh, Peter Barden was in it, and uh, Jean-Luc Menard, and Brian Stam. Do you remember Brian? I remember Brian, yeah. Yeah, so Brian, I don't think he had the greatest uh, house life, and uh, he missed our, he was frequently absent from school, and he missed the day we were supposed to plan our food. So he asked oh. me what, what he should bring, so I said, well, I don't know, bring, bring some potatoes. So that's all he brought was was a bag of potatoes, like a 40-pound bag of potatoes. Oh, shit. Uh, well, that works. Yeah. <laughs> and we were the only group that didn't have any girls in the, in the, um, in the group, so everyone figured we were going to starve for some reason. And uh, I think we won the stewing competition, and we made poutine for everybody in the, uh, in the group because Brian had bought this, brought this potatoes. piece. Yeah, I yeah, thing of potatoes. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah, the the food comp the stew competition was was great. Yes, and, especially uh, for got, the judges. I got I got fooled one time. The best tasting stew happened. Somebody brought along a bunch of ketchup, and I said no, no ketchup. And he, somebody stuck in some ketchup and put it in their stew to give it a little bit of flavor. But it was good stew. Yeah, and uh, it was all. I don't think uh, had any disappointments in any of the food groups. There was one particular group though. I remember uh, they. Uh, a food group brought a stack of frozen pizzas, and that was their menu planning. <laughs> so they had about, I don't know, about 20 frozen pizzas, and that was what they were going to eat for three days <laughs> or they? four days or whatever it was. And uh, so we, you know, we divided it up, and I think we all had pizza one night, but then uh, we incorporated everybody into the, to a balanced diet, let's yes. say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, one other thing here. you uh, I'm just looking at my list. Uh, so you were my hockey coach for much of my uh, my yeah. minor hockey career. Uh, every second year, Jeff would catch up to me, and uh, that's right. Yeah, we had uh, we had some some good times. Uh -huh. uh, Jeff was mentioning. Uh, do you remember the night I I cut my throat open? Yes, my neck. <laughs> uh, that was uh, I had fallen on a skate, and uh -huh. I, I played another shift or two, and I asked. Yeah. Derek Hall, if I had a scratch on my neck and and the blood was kind of it was yeah, oh, yeah. I remember that coming out. So, so the first aid kicked in and we took care of you. And yeah, the, you're here to talk about it today. Could I am. Been, yeah. Well, yeah, you had a neck protector on too, didn't you? I did. My mother went out and bought me the biggest neck protector she could find <laughs> the next day. Um, I remember. I, I was thinking your your mom was going to freak out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I I would I don't remember I was 
that could have that could have been bad, but uh, uh, we dealt with it. And, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was great fun coaching you guys, and uh, I had, like you said, I had you every second year, and I remember when I, the first year I had you guys, uh, uh, Michael Steele, Andrew, Derek Hall, uh, also Sarah, uh, Eric Dag, Peter. Barton, uh, uh, again, I'm naming names. I'm Charlie, De- Charlie Demers. And... Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, great fun. You guys were just, you know, first into your skates and uh, uh, doing all the skating drills to try and get you guys to use all uh, four edges of, of the skate, you know, all uh, you know, two edges of the skate. And uh, it worked out fairly well. Yeah. And you guys, some of you guys are still playing hockey. Oh, Yeah. I probably shouldn't be, but <laughs> but <laughs> I am. Going. Yeah, yeah, we're having, we still have fun. Yeah. Um, so I, st- I still, I still get out for a skate. There's a pond, a uh, skating pond up on Silver Star. I get out, and have a skate, and go through the motions, and just to bring back some memories and keep the legs going. Yeah, Jason Hall asked me to to ask you about the Sportsman League. I think I used yes. a picture from the Sportsman League actually on the on the Facebook post. That's uh, right. That Sportsman League started in uh, 19, uh, say January 1976, I believe, was when the arena opened. It might have started the next year. And, um, yeah, that team was uh, Hudson Sporting Goods. Uh, Mike Hudson had a sporting goods uh, shop, and um, he sponsored the team. And uh, it was pretty good hockey. You know, we had uh, – well, it was the only – it was a, a strong, a, to use a, a term, a beer league, but it was a, a good level of beer league hockey. And a lot of guys played a uh, good level of hockey and uh, very competitive. There was a St. Eugene team. There was uh, uh, Lorignal, uh, St. Bernardin, um, ourselves, uh, Van Cleek Hill. Was there another Van Cleek Hill? But it was, uh, it was good competitive hockey and uh, good fun, a good way to get things going in the new, the new arena. Yeah, who was the uh, the best player in the league? Uh, well, Ian McCrae played uh, pretty good level hockey. He was a good player, a good teammate, good leader. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of good good hockey players. There was uh, oh god, uh, again naming names. Uh, there was some. It was a pretty good brand of hockey. I'm not sure if it's still going. Uh, is there a league, uh, men's league in hockey in uh, Vancouver? Uh, no, so they, there was an old timers league. They played on Monday and Friday nights, and uh-huh. uh, they kept on pushing the age back uh, to keep, I think, to keep Mark Mahan out of the league because he was uh, <laughs> he was too strong. So it was an over thirty five league, and then it became an over thirty seven league. Okay. Um, so. I uh, I turned 37 and I played for one year and then it kind of folded up. So uh, Jason Hall has the uh, the ice time for the old timers, but uh, half the time we're playing the junior C guys. Uh, oh, yeah. So it's pretty quick. I should probably yeah. I should retire. And then uh, <laughs> Wednesday nights, Norm Solway has uh, has another group and it's mostly younger guys too, with a few old guys uh, right. sprinkled in. So yeah, Norm Norm Solway, uh, he was a good hockey player, good athlete. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he's still not bad. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, he's very competitive. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he's coaching. Uh, he's coaching hockey there. Uh, Norm is retired. He, I think he coached. Uh, he coached his son until he was done junior C, and uh, okay. Yeah, and now he's uh, he's our bylaw officer now. So. Oh, 
Awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, you're you're uh, skating some of the time. You what else do you do in your free time? Uh, watch TV, read, um, stay up to date with stuff, walk. Uh, the the seasons here are quite tame compared to Vancouver Hill. The winters aren't bad at all. So you can get out uh, out and about and walk and uh, but mostly skiing and and uh, this time of year and uh, I was curling a bit. Uh, I had a knee replacement. Oh really? Uh, uh, that was uh, let's see, that was uh, five years ago, and I uh, came through that well and uh, got back on skis. I had been snowboarding and uh, still like to snowboard and ski, and uh, was involved in um, the community a little bit. I, uh, Community Futures uh, Western Economic Diversification uh, Office here in town. Uh, my brother-in-law in Vancouver recruited me uh, to uh, sit on their board, so I was on that board for a while. I refereed some basketball uh, when I first got here, and um, yeah, I got involved with curling. Uh, it's a pretty good level of curling here, so the Women's Worlds was here, and my wife and I got involved with that uh, on, the, on the organizing committee. And um, one year I was uh, involved with the World Cup of Nordic Skiing uh, here in uh, Solar Star. My next door neighbor uh, asked me to organize all the transportation for all the athletes and all the public. So I, I did that and uh, got involved. It was interesting to see all these uh, world-class athletes because they, all the athletes that uh, medaled in, uh, in, the, in the Olympics the following year that was in uh, December, following year, and uh, it would be January or February. They were all they were all here. They all competed here. Okay. So, so it was good to see that caliber of athlete and uh, uh, to be involved in that. But uh, uh, slowing down a bit, playing a lot of golf, uh, doing a lot of bike riding. And uh, the bike riding season here is quite a bit longer than Vancouver Hill. So usually by mid-February, you can get out on the road. And, oh, really? Uh, Okay. Uh, uh, I pick my days on because yeah, not too cold. I uh, don't do it, but uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's a good environment uh, here to uh, be active and be out. And, uh, I like to do something physically active uh, every day, and I feel something's wrong if I don't. And some days it's only a, only a walk, but uh, there's some pretty good walks around here with some. Uh, some pretty good elevation changes, so uh, get a bit of a workout that way. Yeah, I think that was a theme for our, uh, our phys ed classes to be physical, physically fit for life. So I think you're you're definitely living that out. Yeah, um, deal with a few health issues, but uh, trying to stay on top of it and, and move forward and stay active. I think yeah, that's the key. Yeah, to be active and uh, uh, on your feet and doing something and. Even if it's just uh, out for a walk, a daily walk. Yeah. Do you uh, do you have any plans on coming back to Vantlakil to visit at all, or? Oh, I hope to. Yeah. Uh, I was back there uh, not last summer, but before for Steve Barton's golf tournament, and uh, I'm hoping Steve's going to do that again, and I'll definitely be back next time for that one. Good. Uh, and uh, uh, but I'd like to. Uh, you know, there's so many memories, so many friends, and uh, it's. Uh, it's not my original hometown, but it's like a hometown to me. Uh, you know, you, you, you live in a place for, what was it, 31 years or so, uh, and you create so many friendships. And uh, uh, But I, I must say that 
Facebook is amazing to stay in contact with people. Yes. Uh, so many of my uh, friends on Facebook are former students, and I uh, stay up to date on, on what's going on in your lives, and it's, it's uh, wonderful to see and uh, share my experiences here, uh, and uh, but also share uh, people's lives and what's going on with our children, and uh, it's uh, quite an amazing thing to have. Yes, and uh, I'm just looking like I go to Kayama on Google Maps all the time and, and drive the streets of, of Kayama and reminisce about our, our time there. And I'm thinking like when our kids are uh, are older, when they're our age, they're going to be able to go back and, and pick a date that they want to see uh, what Dent Kill looked like in the in you know 2016 and they'll be able to go back and, and drive around Dent Kill. So uh, yeah. it's... Yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah uh... I, I do. I I'll often do that. Uh, Google Earth, Venture Kill, Kayama, some of the various places I've uh, I've uh, traveled, and uh, it was great to see the um, the Louis Sproul Christmas tours of uh, Venture Kill. Yes. Was, uh, yeah. It was just it was just like you were there. And uh, Gary Barton, Gary and Jean Barton sent me a uh, sent us a book. Uh, I just got it a couple of days ago. Uh, with all the houses in Vancouver Kill and uh, there's that video, that aerial video of uh, Vancouver Kill and, uh, and, uh, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Yeah, Louise was actually on the podcast uh, two episodes ago and we, we oh, talked she, about the, yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about the uh, the book and, uh, and everything she's doing so well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember when uh, Louise was at DC, I didn't, I don't think I taught Louise, but uh, I remember when she was there, good student and uh, she's done fantastic work with the review oh yes for sure she uh, like i i said she's the stir that stirs the drink here and uh, or the straw that stirs the drink in town here she keeps everything uh -huh. going everyone on their toes so. yeah, yeah she yeah. certainly does well i think we'll we'll wrap up sir that was uh that was really great and it was uh, nice catching up with you and um likewise yeah enjoyed it hopefully uh hopefully next time we see each other it'll be in in person and we can maybe do it again and uh yeah. And talk about yeah. some more stuff. So, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to. Hopefully, well, next summer. I don't know the way things are going. It doesn't look like it, but maybe the following summer, we'll, we'll see what happens when we get back down to some normalcy. Yes. And get get through this. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I wish everybody the best who's listening and uh, following this. And thanks for doing this, Jason. Yeah, no problem. Say uh, say hello to Mrs. Vinan for me. We'll do. Okay. Bye now. Okay. Thanks, sir.